Yes, it's me, Mike Stone, and this is the Backseat Driver Podcast. It's the fastest, it's the friendliest, and it's for all the family. The Gas Shocks 116 Trophy and 120 Coupe Cup are the fastest growing race series in the UK, taking in six one-hour races and eight sprints at all the top circuits. Visit 116trophy.com to find out more and get yourself behind the wheel. I'd like to introduce to the Backseat Driver Radio Show uh, a young lady, Amy Watts, racing driver who really in many ways had no option but to become a racing driver, at least try her hand at it, because she is the daughter of British touring car driver and racing driver Patrick Watts. Amy, welcome to the Backseat Driver Radio Show. Hi Mark, nice to be here, how are you doing? Very well, thank you. And yourself? I am wonderful, thank you, sitting on this miserable October-November day. (laughs) (laughs) Years flying away with me, but yeah, we were very good. Now, as I said, you are the daughter of Patrick Watts, uh, but before motor race, before (laughs) and a man who uh, owes me a cigarette after he pinched one off me at the uh, autosport show about two years ago. Afraid you're going to have to get in line because I think he owes quite a few people cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> now, before before the uh, before the driver's seat beckoned, it was horses and show jumping that were your uh, such chosen hobby and chosen career. H- how did how did the horse riding come about, and how did the motor racing then come about? Oh well, the horse riding thing. Oh, I don't even know if I could say I had a background in horse riding. Um, that was just a typical sort of, you know, every little girl wants to ride a pony and most of them stop riding when they're about, you know, after a few lessons and I just carried it on. I fell in love with it. I liked the speed and I thought I liked the challenge of it. Yeah. Um, and I just never stopped. It became kind of a habit more than anything and things sort of just progressed. I started jumping. I started jumping a bit bigger and things just went on. But I did actually drop it in my late teens. Um, like a lot of people, I got to the stage where I was hitting my A-levels and I'd had a few accidents on the horse and nothing major but just enough to make me question whether I wanted to make it a career or not or, <laughs> or sort of look out because I'd be completely blinkered I'd, I'd not sort of looked at any other possible career options or anything so um, I gave up horses and went off to boarding school to do my A-levels and never got back into it yeah um, motor racing came after that a few years after that actually I mean Everyone assumes that because my dad was, you know, in the touring cars and everything, I very much grew up around racetracks. Everyone sort of thinks, oh, have you been racing since you were really young? But no, because, not at all, because it's one of those things that when your dad or your parent does something, it's not that cool, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it took me until I was about 10 to realise that not everyone's dad raced, and I just thought it was one of those things that you had in life. So I never paid that much attention to it in terms of would I like to race. Yeah. Um, because the interesting thing is, I mean, I've spoken to many children of famous racing drivers, and a lot of them discovered that their father or mother or both would try and do anything to stop their children going into the world of motor racing in many ways because of the sheer expense of it all. Oh, absolutely. I mean, my mum was going, for God's sake, why couldn't you have chosen ballet? (laughs) 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 From horses to to cars, not not ideal for her. Um, She's not a fan by any means, but um, but no, I mean, it's... 
it often goes hand in hand actually I find horse and horsepower it's one of the two it's like the most expensive hobbies you could find yeah <laughs> it's not great I'm going to thoroughly discourage my children from doing either they will have books <laughs> <laughs> books and art I mean my grandfather was into horses because he was ex-cavalry uh, right. the one thing I can remember he was fortunate that uh, he was able to he had his stables behind his house uh, and he was able to employ people to work there uh, but the one thing I've always known when I've had other friends who've had horses is the amount of time it takes mm -hmm. to look after them and not being funny once again the sheer expense of owning them and competing with them oh absolutely I mean the time it is it, the time is the big thing and that's probably one of the factors that um, dissuaded me when I was a teenager because you know you want to go out to parties with your friends you want to socialise but you can't because you've got to muck out the horses in the morning. <laughs> you've got to bring them in. And it was, it was rubbish, you know. My friends were going out dressing up in nice clothes and I was there in my wellies covered in horse poo. <laughs> it was rubbish. It was horrible. Um, and I didn't, my family weren't into horses either. So it was literally just me who had to do them. So, yeah, yeah the time's a huge thing. So um, how did you end up behind the wheel of a racing car? So I've always been kind of interested in it. Um, I did a little bit of karting when I was much younger, but I did at that really awkward age where girls have their growth spurt a year ahead of the boys. Yeah. So I couldn't, I was down at Buckball Park, and I could not understand why these sort of like 11-year-old boys who are about a foot and a half shorter than me were overtaking me on the straights. Yeah. And I, I hadn't quite worked out power to weight, and it just really, really put me off, and I thought I'd never touch a car again or a, or a cart. Yeah. And then a few years ago... Um, Dad got invited to do a C1 24-hour with um, his friend Simon Harrison, yeah. who we used to race with. And I went up to just to watch this sort of, I didn't really know much about it, you know, this big 24-hour race, it'll be a laugh, come have a look. And I got there, and there were these C1s, you know, cars that prior to seeing them on a racetrack, I thought only old women drove them. Well, I mean, the, the, Citroën, the Citroën C1, I think it was also the Peugeot 108 and there was the Toyota Igo. They were all technically the same car. They just had different engines different in. Different bodies on it, yeah. Different bodies, yeah. but inherently they were all the same car. And as you said, they, my mother had two of them. And they were little shopping cars. And the only thing the only thing that made them interesting, when I used to borrow it, as she used to say, can you go and get some petrol in, etc., was the fact you could drive this tiny little car flat out all over. And it flat, uh, yes. flat out, you still weren't exceeding the speed limits in most cases no. <laughs> and the fast the harder and faster you drove it the better it went absolutely i actually learned to drive in a, in a c2 sebastian Loeb edition oh yeah and that was the coolest car i've i've had to date i mean i've I sort of mentioned earlier i've now got a yaris gr and i love that it doesn't compare to that but prior to that it was fantastic so you could drive it at its absolute maximum i mean i think the most i ever got out of it was about 115 yeah and that was the whole thing was rattling i felt like i was in a tin can for yeah sort of nuts and bolts <laughs> it was not made for that but when you're going down the country lanes which is where i live you can go full speed and you're not you're not speeding it's no. safe it, you can really feel the road you know it's a it's a great driving car and it's a sharp handling little car as well yeah it's fantastic they're brilliant they're, they are little they're, they're great they're great fun but I didn't ever put them down as race cars. No. <laughs> many people do. I mean, when I tell my friends I, I race in a C1, they, they sort of laugh. Um, but but no, so I, I wasn't really sure what to expect when I went up to watch this 24-hour race. Um, but it just blew me away. I mean, seeing there was almost 100 cars on the grid that, that race. 
and they all had lights on and they were so close they were bumper to bumper you know people were pushing past each other coming into the pits to duct tape up the wing you know and then going back out there <laughs> you know one guy rolled they, they, they smashed the windows the, the windscreen everything so they brought it back into the pits knocked out the broken glass and sent him back out and it yeah. was fantastic <laughs> and I thought god this looks so much fun um and it, you know, and it, that really was the first thing that sparked my interest into racing because I think, like a lot of people, I also thought that racing was something really expensive to get into. And you know, I looked at my dad had said to me, you know, would you like to race? And I looked at his cars out in the garage. You know, the, the, probably the cheapest one is sort of you know vintage min, a mini. Yeah. And even that, it's it's expensive to buy, it's expensive to run or to repair. It's not something you want to learn in, and it really it kind of put me off a little bit. So I didn't know there was sort of a middle ground or an entry-level kind of racing. Yeah. Um, and the C1 really opened my eyes to that. So I sort of said to Dallas, I really want to go in this. Let, let, let's do it. Let's have um, one or two races. My interesting um, thing will be to do that, of course, you have to take your odds test or you have to get your racing license. Yeah. And once again, it's like with Dad being Patrick Watts, uh, you wouldn't really have any option to fail this test, would you? Oh my goodness, no. I failed my driving test and he didn't speak to me for a week. <laughs> I, was, I, I literally I was so ashamed. I was like, oh my God, I'm his only child as well. It was terrible. <laughs> it was really bad. So yeah, that was a lot of pressure. I almost messed up on one of the flags, but luckily saved it last minute. So we got it in the bag, which was a complete godsend. Yeah. Um, yeah and I did my arts test and we said, let's do one or two races together. And I also thought, not just for me, it would be nice for him to, you know, race with a child, just yeah. to have that experience. And that was three years ago, and I just fell in love with it. Yeah. It's so much fun, and, I'm, and I've been racing since. Yeah. I mean, with, you, with Dad being Dad, does he mm. give you much advice? Or does he tend to let you get on and make mistakes and then tell you how to correct your mistakes? He won't go in the car with me. <laughs> <laughs> he, he is the worst passenger in the world. So I, I, so yeah, I very much make mistakes. Then get told, "Why the fuck are you doing that?" Oh, sorry. Um, why not, yeah, so the swear words aren't available. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Um, yeah, no, he, he's he's great. I mean, he's definitely improved my driving. He isn't a sugar coater and he hasn't got much time for messing about. And if I ever get a bit scared, he's got no sympathy whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> um, his favourite term is for God's sake Amy grow a pair yeah. um, <laughs> get back in the car stop crying get on with it girl and that actually tends to work he has figured out that the angrier I am the quicker my lap times are Yeah. so he plays up to that Oh, right, right <laughs> <laughs> it's fantastic but no he, he's brilliant I mean he's, he's he I mean I'm, I'm biased because he's my dad but from what I've heard from other people over the years he does have exceptional car control he he understands physics and I think that's the biggest part about racing is understanding how physics works and understanding how the car's going to work yeah and that's something he's very good at and very good at explaining and um I kind of think of term I, I think in sort of physical terms as well I understand things put in a physical way and we, we communicate well and I think I couldn't have got as far as I have or got my lap times as good as they are yeah. without him well, I mean, the one thing about you were saying, like your dad boils it down to physics. When you when you're trying to explain it to somebody who doesn't race, you you talk about the generic term is car control, but it's balance and it's setting the car up for each corner. If you arrive at a corner and throw the brakes on, the car becomes unstable. Absolutely. You've got to set them up for the corner and make sure the car is level going round the corner. It's pointless with all the brakes on because all the weight's up front and it 
won't do what you want it to, it'll invariably understeer it, which is, it goes straight on instead of turning. Well, with the Citroën, they tend to spin. If you put the brakes on, it, the back just comes round. Yeah. And um, you don't have the power to pull out of it. That's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing, when you kind of go... It's so slow, but it, it's... It does teach you good discipline because it's very unforgiving. Yeah. And, and because the racing is so close, I mean, the first ten positions are literally split between, you know, by a few tenths of a second. Yeah. So if, if you make a mistake, you've lost five or six places. Yeah. So you really have to. Yeah, you're right. You have to learn to set the car up perfectly. You have to be on the power exactly at the right time. If you've barreled in a bit and you've, you know, you've left braking a bit too late. If you've gone in a bit too fast and you can't get on the power quickly then you've lost it for that straight because you need every single centimetre of track that you can to get yeah. the speed up. And the other thing is, I mean, I can't remember, even though, my, as I said, my mother had a couple of them. I think they run on something like 135 or 145 tyres. And the thing about the C1 series is the cars are still running on the tyres that they would have used on the road. So you're not yeah. getting performance rubber. You've got little skinny tyres, typical of a lot of little French cars. And you are asking these tyres to do things that the manufacturer, theoretically, never designed them to do. No, I mean, these cars were never designed to do any of the things we're asking them to do, but they had, they do it, they manage. And that's, that's why it's exciting. I mean, they aren't fast cars. We're not going crazy you know crazy speed down there and i have to be honest i don't know why anyone would want to watch a c1 race it <laughs> it's I mean, there, there's a lot of contact but it's three hours of cars going round at about 90 miles an hour yeah when you're in there my god you feel like you're racing a bloody formula one car <laughs> it's so loud this car is you know completely strained to the absolute maximum of its limit it's it's great fun and if memory serves, apart from a roll cage and stripping the interior out and putting a race seat in, I mean, from what I can gather, if you wanted, you can still put the radio on while you're going round, can't you? Because it's still in there. You can, and I do. <laughs> when I'm sitting there in the collection area, I feel I always feel sick before a race. I, as soon as I get on the track, my heart rate drops down to normal and I'm calm. Yeah. But sitting there waiting to go out, I get the worst nerves ever. Yeah. I think everyone does. But being able to put it on Classic FM is, is a lifesaver. Yeah. Uh, and that's the great thing about this series and I mean the engines are standard engines you don't do anything yep. to them do you no not at all and uh, I'm just trying to think they're about a thousand cc of these, these little Citroens is, is that about right they're about a thousand that's about right I mean yeah I mean I'm not even that involved with the whole we they the cars are the cars are built at home with, with PWR and they sort of do most of the mechanics and stuff I'm learning mechanics very slowly but I have I'm at the stage of the outside stuff right now. Oh, so you're, you're, the, you're the cup of tea maker. I am. I am. The, I'm the cup of tea girl. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I can strip a car now, which I'm quite proud of, and I can change brakes, yeah. which I'm happy with as well. And I'm working my way into the engine. Now, who? I mean, PWR is Patrick Watts Racing. You doubt? It is. Uh, the team. I mean, I've seen photographs. The car has like heavy mortal sponsorship, and uh, is it car care or whatever? Who? Who? Who's sponsoring? your uh, your dad's team so actually no one really sponsors us um we're a very new team and we've got a few new drivers we run two cars so one of the teams is is kind of quite a lot of changeable drivers uh, technically drivers could change every every sort of race yeah um but our team we've just started getting up to speed i race with dad and, and um, my teammate alando alando Lindsay. yeah and it's only in the last few races that we've got the car really competitive and we've got our lap times up. So sponsorship is something we'll, we'll be looking for this year. Yeah. Um, 
but but at the moment we actually don't have any sponsorship some people sponsored patrick watts racing because he races in a few other series as well yeah some historic stuff and obviously he's got a bit of history um but no one races um sponsors ladybird racing specifically so that's the name of our team currently by the way ladybird right um which is changing we had this great idea when i started racing we thought well i'm gonna i'm gonna smash it quite a few times so what we'll do we'll just get big vinyl black circles it's a red car yeah and every time i put a new ding on it we'll just put another circle over the ding so, it's <laughs> so hence the name ladybird is born <laughs> so i mean you might how many drivers so each car has three drivers then or for a three-hour yeah. race yeah for us it's three drivers some teams have two um and then for the 24-hour race you'd want four right mm. so that's why i think makes it such a great race for anyone who's kind of interested in getting into racing as well because you don't have the commitment of a huge cost the race entry you know, it's about a thousand to twelve hundred to enter a race yeah but that's split between three three people yeah you know the cost of the car split between three people or you can find a team who's already competing and buy a drive in their car oh, so, right. you know it, it's it's so affordable and if you do damage the car which will happen you don't have to pay hundreds of pounds you can just buy a spare wing off ebay for 20 pounds it's brilliant yeah because every car starts life as i mean you just go out and find yourself a second-hand c1 and it, it's not the latest c1s it's like the original c1s isn't yeah, it yeah yeah I, I mean our first one i bought the first one for cash for 900 pounds off ebay <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant you can you can, you can build a, a c1 race car for about three thousand five hundred well three thousand seven hundred yeah it's probably what it cost you five if you're paying laborers say yeah. you're getting it built and sort of paying a few a few wages um but it, it's it's super affordable racing because, it's brilliant i mean the other thing is like you're saying you can do the brakes if memory serves the brakes are standard road car brakes so when you fit a new set of pads you nip down your local uh, motorist discount place and just buy a set of pads for a c1 exactly you know it, it, demon tweaks yeah anything you, you don't have to go anything specialist you can everything is completely standard which makes it such a great race series and it also it changes the atmosphere on the circuit as well because everyone's so it's such a good community down there no one's being secret squirrels no one's trying to like hide what they're doing um everyone shares parts we all help each other out because there is everything is standard there's no point in being cagey yeah and as a result you've ended up with this amazing really social club and um, there's a few hundred i mean there's normally about 120 drivers per, per race because if you have sort of 60 60 cars on the track and yeah. every, every car's got two to three drivers in it and that's just the drivers and you've got all the teams and everything and it's you get this great event yeah and um, i mean it must i mean most races i mean you hear about cars uh, races with like 20 cars 30 cars for but with that number of cars i conclude till you get strung out a little bit it must be extremely hectic out there oh my goodness it, it is but that is the fun of it um i mean we were our last race was at brands hatch um we actually won that race and because obviously it was on the indie circuit so we had, I think there was four, 46 cars on the grid, 43 cars. Just, so just putting in, for anybody who doesn't know, the Indy circuit at Brands Hatch is the kidney-shaped one, uh, and it's not a very big circuit. I mean, what's a, a lap time is about just over a minute, isn't it? It's quite, it's a very, it's a long while since I drove around there, but it's yeah, a very quick, it's a very quick lap. It is, it's about, what, one four is a good time in a C1. Yeah. Um, 
But I think that the track is, I mean, I'm not sure how, I think it's about a mile long, I, but I feel like it's even smaller than that. My brain's, my memory's telling me it's a mile, but it feels even shorter than that. But, you know, so, uh, two laps in, the ca- whole track is covered by cars. Yeah. So you don't know if you're passing someone in sort of 38th position or if you're fighting a leader. And we do have the case quite often where you get a back marker actually fighting with the leader, (laughs) 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 which is always fun. But it's great. I mean, again, going back to sort of reasons to get into C1, into racing and starting with C1s, it's such good practice because it teaches you to be dominant on the circuit. You, You can't pander around. You have to take the moments and just get through traffic. And it's a really good practice for that. I mean, I personally feel like I've got a lot better at that um, because of constantly being bogged down in traffic. It gets to the point where you just have to stop being polite. (laughs) (laughs) And I suppose Um, from your point of view, you've got the uh, endless joy of knowing your dad's watching. Oh, my goodness, would you call that a joy? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I Yeah, no, that's a good thing. It's a good thing and a bad thing. I, I kind of... I work well under pressure, but I can always also lose concentration under pressure. Yeah. So if I see him sitting up at the top, I mean, <laughs> I think, oh, God, don't screw this one up. But I definitely will screw that one up because yeah. they're watching me. So, I mean, uh, how many more seasons do you see you driving in the C1s? And what comes after? Are you looking to move up the formulas as such and move up uh, within the various series? What, what's your intentions? Well, to be honest, I mean... I mean, as I said, I didn't intend to make this a long-term thing when I first started racing in the series. I thought I'd do one or two races to make Dad happy, and that would be it. Yeah. But actually, I love it, and I'm fairly good. My lap times are up there now, so I would love to carry it on. I think I'd like to do at least another year more in the C1s, just because I love the club. Yeah. Um, but I've done a little bit of... I've, I've just started racing in an historic Mini, a 64 Mini. Is that your dad's? Yeah, but that's why I shared it in a race with him um, at up at Silverstone a few weeks ago. Yeah, and that was absolutely brilliant. I mean, those are little they're like mini touring cars. They're great. They. Oh, they I mean, they so you watch the you watch the uh, you watch the proper minis at Goodwood. Um, it, I think it's fascinating to see a mini humble a huge American car but the beauty of the Mini is once you're up to speed you don't really back off in them, do you? You just keep your yeah, foot in and let them drift about the place. Absolutely, and I mean that, that was kind of a trial by fire because we were we, it was an HRDC race, so there was about six or seven minis in there, and then the rest was all American muscle. We had sort of like you know a few Mustangs, and there was Cortinas as well, which you know a bit smaller, which is fine. But there was some you know much bigger cars we're fighting against and it was an absolutely torrential rainy day in testing yeah so the whole track was flooded i've never raced in a mini before you know i've gone from a c1 to a mini i didn't even know how to turn it on so <laughs> 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 i got in the car where you know citrons you still have the radio in there it's, it's completely standard got in the mini there's all these weird gears there's bits of wire sticking out and those are apparently the windscreen wipers which i can't even reach i have to kick it with my foot um the ignition switch is on the door. There's some misleading keys in the middle which have nothing to do with anything, apparently. So, <laughs> <laughs> so the only way I can actually turn the car on is to get Dad to do it from outside the window once I'm already in. Yeah. Um, so I sort of like slotted up the pit lane and then found myself on track with these massive, massive Mustangs which were flying down the straights past me. But then they got to the corners and they broke about half a mile sooner than I did. Yeah. And... And yeah, you're right, you can just put these cars, once you get up to speed, you can just throw these minis into anything, and it works. Um, I had a big moment, sort of, at ma- um, coming out into Vale, 
where the bat came out, I went into water, I saw the aquaplanes a bit, lost it, went completely sideways, and in my head there was absolutely no chance that I was going to save that. And then I saw this great big Mustang flying up behind me in the rear, and I thought, oh my goodness, I'm going to have to get out of the way, try and make it to the grass, yeah. floor it. And the mini just took the corner beautifully. It was my best lap of the day. It was great. It was great. Yeah. Actually, you can. The, the minis are fun because they want to switch ends with you the whole time. But they're so controllable. They're like a. They're kind of a caricature of the C ones. Yeah. Um. So I'd love to do a bit more in the historic minis. I'd like to. I'd like to do some races on my own. Sort of prove my metal. Yeah. In um in a solo race. I'm looking at the masters. I think that would be good fun. Oh, the little MX, the little MX fives, the, the yeah. MX fives. I think that looks like a good, again, not too expensive series. I mean, obviously, it's got a bit of a cost involved, but yeah. hopefully, get some sponsorship for that if I can keep my times up there. Um, and then eventually, I mean, I've been looking at these modern minis, which is not something I thought I'd like. But having seen them tear around the track a few times when we've been testing, I would quite like to get into those. Yeah. I think they look a lot of fun. I don't know a huge amount about them, but that, that sort of series looks like a good step. Yeah. Um, but to be honest, I'm, I'm so early on in my racing career at the moment. I'm kind of open to anything. Even yeah. single-seaters look quite fun. Uh, some historic single-seaters, although I do like the use of my legs, so... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you mentioned... You, horror stories. you mentioned your legs. I mean, you've, you've had a problem because in some of the photographs of you, you've had a leg brace on. If you don't mind me asking, what's been the problem with your leg? Well, I'm actually sitting in a chair right now. I've just had surgery on both of my legs. Um, so, back in in where oh God, it was May now. Back in May, I rolled the I rolled the Citroen testing at Silverstone. Yeah. Rather embarrassingly, because I just had all the new stickers put on the car and it looked so good. And I came around maggots a little bit too fast, and I was about to hit the gravel, and I thought, oh God. I'm going to scuff up the tiny bit of the front right corner if I go into the gravel. Yeah. So I, I tried to save it and ended up going sideways and flipped the car. Yeah. Um, and I unwittingly fractured my leg in the crash, but I didn't realise. Climbed out of the upturned car, jumped down, landed on the fractured leg, and my knee gave out, and I went through all of my ligaments. Oh, right. <laughs> so I completely destroyed my left knee. Didn't realise. Got up, qualified the next day. All fine. Thought I was going to be racing. And then found out that I was very damaged, and I got put in a leg brace, yeah. which wasn't ideal. But I had a surgeon who, luckily, was a ra well. Actually, had two surgeons. One of them wasn't a racing fan, and the other one was. So I went with a racing fan, which <laughs> 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 was great, because he agreed to let me postpone my surgery for the rest of the season so I could complete it, which was brilliant. Yeah. Um, hence why I've only just had the surgery last week. So, how have you gone on driving with a leg brace on? It's fine. I mean, when I'm in the car, when we're racing, you don't feel anything. Um, as soon as I get back into the pits, it's like someone set my leg on fire. Yeah. But then I just have to go out again. It'll be fine. Yeah. So it's actually not been a problem. And it was my left foot, so that's not that important. You know, it's, it's not the accelerator pedal. Yeah. The accelerator foot. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so I mean, as time goes on, do you see yourself following your dad into, hopefully, maybe the touring cars? I mean, there there is... Uh, I think it's Jade Edwards who drives in the BTCC. Yeah. Do you would you like to move up to touring cars? Honestly, that would be the absolute dream. And in the last sort of few months, once I've started getting a bit more confidence in myself as a driver, um, yeah, I would I would love to do that. I didn't sort of dare dream about what I'd like to advance to. Yeah, but. Um, that would be the ultimate goal. I would love to race in touring cars. I mean, I love watching them. Oh, I just think it's such a good series because they're close racing. It's 
it's just so exciting. You know, so many series you can watch these cars going around. It's like it's basically like you're watching hill climbs. I mean, there's so there's such a big distance between each one. It's not exciting. Yeah. Um, but the touring cars, it's just a whole new ball game. It, it's so good to watch, and to me, that looks like sort of like a C1 race on steroids. Yeah. <laughs> Which would be amazing. You know? Um, I mean, the other thing is as well, that the, the great thing about British Touring Cars is it's a phenomenal package. You have the Janetta Juniors that are teaching teenagers to race, and the great thing about those guys is they've no preconceptions. They just go out there and race, and I think the... Oh, they fear as well, yeah. the kids. Uh, they haven't worked out that certain things you shouldn't do, but even though you don't do these things, if they don't do these things, the racing is exceptional. Oh, it is. It's brilliant. Um... You know, we've, we've been, I mean, the kids, you've got some really, it is great watching the kids. They're, they're race like kids. They are, there's some seriously good racing amongst the youngsters, and it's, it's going to be interesting to see who comes out of it. We were watching a Janetta race, actually, the other weekend down at Brands, and, you know, they are, they're aggressive, but in a good way, you know, you can see a little bit of um, immaturity in some of the moves, but ultimately, these are really good young drivers. Yeah. Now, it's a great series. one subject or one topic I I touch on with all the lady racing drivers that I speak to is, I'm a great believer in a racing driver is a racing driver, uh, and I know that apparently now there are about thirty-seven and a half different genders to be choosing from, <laughs> but I'm a bit old-fashioned that I still think there's only two of them. But as a racing driver, how do you feel about? women racing drivers because I, as I said when when a driver's in their overalls and the helmet and behind the wheel of a car it is a racing driver w what are your views on women racing drivers and the fact that there's Formula W and they've been segregated and various other things honestly I love seeing women celebrated I think the Formula W is a great series but I'm slightly irked by it if I'm honest because yeah like you I think a racing driver is a racing driver um you know, I think if there's any feminists listening right now, you might get sort of bees in your bonnet. But the fact is, when you get to the top of your physical fitness, men generally are stronger than women. We can't compete against men fairly in a lot of things. But racing is one of the things that we can compete against them in. Yeah. You know, that it doesn't come down so much to the physical element. Racing is a mental game, and anyone can do that. Yeah. Um, so the fact that it's segregated the women that was kind of potentially en route to F1, they've kind of diverted them at the last minute into the W series. I think it's a shame. I'm, I'm disappointed by it. Um, I think it's a great series as a standalone series, but I really hope it doesn't affect the women getting into F1. Yeah. But I suppose my one maybe controversial opinion is this. A lot of people think women can't race as fast as men. And I would say, if you looked at statistics and the sort of data that we have so far, I would agree with you. But it's not because of skill level, it's purely a numbers game. Um, because of this, say you get one Lewis Hamilton in every 100,000 drivers. Yeah. <clears throat> the fact is, men have been driving and racing since the car was invented. We have had 100,000 men drivers, we've had multiple 100,000 men drivers. So among those huge masses of male racing drivers, we've got the rubbish ones, the slow ones, the completely useless ones, and the Lewis Hamiltons, you know, it's a huge <laughs> bunch. But women, we just haven't had the numbers yet. They're, it's only really in the last few years that women have regularly started racing. Prior to that, you would get the odd sort of pioneering girl doing it every few years. Yeah. But it, we just haven't got the numbers. We haven't 
had a hundred thousand women racing drivers yet. No, it's, it's, it's purely down to odds and numbers because if you it haven't is. got as many as one thing, you're not going to find a good one as if you've got exactly. a, a lot of another thing. Exactly, you've got a lot of men to choose from to find a great driver, and not that many women to choose from. But as time goes on, I mean, you see, I think you know we're going to see a lot more female racing drivers. Um, because times have changed. I mean, one of the reasons I didn't get into motorsport so young is because I wouldn't have had any friends. Yeah. Not I wouldn't have anyone to talk to because girls didn't <laughs> do that kind of thing. It would have been horrible. I mean, um, <laughs> do you know, my primary school, on Wednesdays, they would split us, boys and girls, and boys would go and do boys' activities. Yeah. And they would go outside and play and build things and learn about mechanics and all that kind of stuff, all the interesting stuff. And girls would be taken away to do girls' activities. I, mean, you say, I was just going to say, when I was at school, I'm a lot older than you, but there was the afternoons where the boys would do woodwork and metalwork and things like that, and the girls would do uh, needlework and cookery. That's exactly what we did. We did exclusively cross-stitch, and that was what we were told. That was girls' activities. So, you know, if a girl... I, I did carpentry at school for about a term when I was a child, when I was at primary school, and they, it was really weird. They didn't like it. I got picked on a bit. None of the boys talked to me in the class. And <laughs> the, girls, the girls said I was a flirt, you know? Yeah. I couldn't win. So I had to go back to bloody cross. I kept sewing my skirt to the thing, and the teacher got really angry with me. It was horrible. I hated it. Um, but So that these kind of options weren't as open as open to to us back then as they are now and, and I'm, I'm only 27 you know this yeah. isn't we're not going back decades here well we are actually going back two decades but you know <laughs> um but nowadays all the young girls at school and boys they're, they're given equal opportunity so if a girl wants to get into car or has a cars or has a bit of a thing for speed or just is interested then yeah. she's much more likely to get into it now than she would have been 20 years ago I mean, the interesting thing is we have women's football teams and we have women's cricket teams, teams and women's rugby teams. So, But they don't seem to encourage women into racing as much as what you might call the more physical sports. It is, yeah. Do you know, I think that is, again, because of the financial commitment. Because, you know, with, with football, you can kick around a ball. And if you're half decent, you know, you might get noticed. You can slowly progress up from playing in your local field to playing with a few friends to playing in a local team. Yeah with motorsport if you're going to race you have to pay for the race entry and you have to pay for the car yeah. and the you know a few hundred pounds for your overalls and your helmet and you know it's a big commitment you can't just you can't really just test it out for a day um or as easily as you could with something like rugby or football yeah and the big thing is they don't teach motorsport at schools you know but they have rugby teams at school but they don't have the local cart track or anything which i think would be a fantastic idea for any teachers listening but it's not something that's available right now. No, I mean, there are little... I mean, there's a couple near to where I live, little where you, where mm. you go and pay your however much it is and you hire a cart for half an hour. It might be an idea if the schools did something like that mm. and anybody who fancies a go then will arrange an afternoon where you can go and try it. You might have to make a contribution towards it, but you can go yeah. and try it. Go give it a go, absolutely. Because cart karting, if you want to get into motorsport young, karting is the way to go. Yeah. And you can do that as an arrive and drive situation, you know, just pay for your day, which doesn't have to cost a lot at all. No. But, no, I mean, it's like I said, though, you, you seem to be going places, all being well, with the, uh, with the benefit and maybe the potential hindrance of having Patrick Watts as a father. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so, I hope so. I would, I would love to take this further now. You know, it's, it's, <clears throat> it started off as an experiment and now it's become a bit 
bit of an obsession. I think about it all the time. I mean, after a race, I will lie there on my sofa with no music and no TV or anything and just go over the track. I can't get out of my head. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I love it. And I haven't had many things like that in my life where I can't stop thinking about it. I mean, what you're, you've got to be aiming for is the picture of your father with a trophy with you in the background is ultimately you in the front, front of the image with the trophy, and your dad in the background. <laughs> that is funny. Someone actually said that the other day. I can't remember who, but yeah, we'll have to do it. I'll, I'll make it happen for you, Mark. I'll make sure to send you a picture of it. <laughs> Amy Watts, it's been a pleasure chatting to you. Thanks very much for joining me on the Backseat Drive Radio Show, and all Thank the best for 2022. Fantastic, Mark. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been a pleasure to speak to you. Great. Thanks very much indeed. Bye. Bye, Mark. Have a great day. beaten on price never beaten on service whether it's cars bikes or commercials Hoddy tires are the best in the business and when it comes to tire expertise and advice to supplying the correct tires for your vehicle specific requirements nobody comes close to david lakin and the Hoddy tires team so give them a call on 01200 613 192 or visit the website at hoddytires.co.uk 